0: Well, hey, my name's Austin. I'm the pastor here at Good Shepherd Church and excited just to be gathered with you all today. Um, We are continuing in this According to the Spirit series that we've been in since January 1st. First weekend of January, we've been diving through this series and I've I realized that we could just make this series as long as we wanted to. Uh, There's not one topic that you couldn't fit in and go, well, how would the Holy Spirit impact that topic? Uh, However, we're kind of coming to this point today where I want to begin to shift the gears a little bit. And so where we've been so far, just to kind of remind you, is we started the series uh, back in January, uh, talking about how how the Holy Spirit would compel us to live in a certain way where we actually could set our mind according to the Spirit and not according to the flesh. It's this kind of... uh, uh, opposed idea that we see in Romans chapter 8, where Paul says you can live in one way where you sort of captain your own journey or you're, you're kind of just doing life uh, or, uh, ordered with your compulsions, ordered to your own desires, the things that you just want to do. And that is what we would consider living according to the flesh, where we just kind of go and we're doing and we're just being as, as we would want to drive. However, there's this alternative view that we can embrace, which comes from the Holy Spirit of God, comes from the nature of God himself to set our minds according to the Spirit. And there's so many different ways that can land on us, depending on your church background. You have a certain uh, disposition or, or uh, an idea already concluded of what a charismatic, full of the Holy Spirit person looks like. But really the, the simple thing to do in Scripture would be to come and go, man, it's not actually just this ethereal, hard to grasp thing. What does a Spirit-filled follower of Jesus look like? Uh, they just look like Jesus himself. So Jesus himself, the person of Jesus, while he walked on this earth, was filled with, indwelled by the Holy Spirit, and compelled to move as he was leading. And so rather than just kind of like, okay, you just imagine for a second with me, like, whatever you imagine when you think of just the most charismatic person on on planet earth, and you might think of like, man, they're probably just like up on their rooftop at 3 a.m., praying, and like, just doing the craziest stuff, and, and and all too often, like that might look more like drugs than it actually does following Jesus. <laughs> Do you know what i like, but, but really, what we see when we see a spirit-filled person who's, who's following after Jesus is looking like Jesus. And so we talked about all these different practices and these things that we can embody. And that's the the journey we've been on for the last uh, six, seven weeks or so. And I don't have time to recap all that, obviously, but we've been looking at different practices, practices of fasting, uh, practices of like just the pace of your life. Does the rhythm of your life sustain a spirit-filled life? Uh, Is the way that I'm engaging with community or the way that I'm handling my money, uh, the way that I'm practicing emotional health, does all of that help cultivate the spirit of God in me or is it robbing me of my affection of the Holy Spirit. But we've been saying this whole time, the refrain that I've been saying over and over and over in this series is that we don't do those practices for God's love, but we have to do them from God's love. We have to understand fundamentally that that we are loved by God. He has chosen us. He has called us. and, And as a result now, I put these practices in my life so that I may remain close to that love because it's available for me. I don't, I don't fast and I don't get myself all hungry so I can prove how spiritual I am so that I can show God that he should love me more. He already loves me as much as he can possibly love me. The reason I fast is to detach myself from the cravings of this world and so I can nourish my body on the spirit of God. And I can go, God, I just want more of your Holy Spirit. I wanna see you do more things. And so today, really the pivot point becomes, how do we shift now from just talking about these different practices and these things that build us up to like, to now how do we use those? How do we spend that? Because all too often, I think what we get caught up in in church is, is getting so sidetracked with thinking that the main point of Christianity is acting like Christians in a church service. And we show up in church, and, and we read our Bible, and when we walk in the door, and say, how, how you doing? Oh, hey, good. Praise the Lord. Amen. Yeah, good, to, God is, good God bless you, brother. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Good to see you. We do all this stuff that looks Christian in here, but do we actually we actually walk like Christians? Do we actually walk like Jesus walked now with the rest of the world? And that's kind of the shift point that I want to take us on today is how do we now, how do we kind of mentally reframe what we're doing here and what the purpose of this is here so that we might be spent for Jesus and so we might go out and live our life according to the Holy Spirit in a way that Jesus would live his life. And so, I was kind of thinking about how, how this narrative really breaks down. Um, and, and I've been also, at the same time, uh, brushing up on Lord of the Rings. Anybody else out there? So it's been a few years since I've been through the journey of Middle Earth, you know. And, and it's not something that, uh, that my wife really cares to watch with me. Uh, I'm too, I'm, my kids are too young to watch this with me right now. So it's, it's a burden I bear alone, like Frodo, with the ring. Do you know what I'm saying? Um, which is fine. And so I've been watching it and, and like... In the 12 hours of maybe the greatest cinematic adventure you could ever go on through Middle Earth, um, you get, you can get sidetracked with all the little side stories that are going on. Like you can get so caught up in like, uh, Gandalf, this wizard who like dies, but then he levels up, right? He comes back and he's bigger and he's cooler. And, uh. And then you get sidetracked on like Aragorn, who's this like ranger guy who's, who's doing his different things. And all of a sudden he's the heir apparent to the throne, to the kingdom. And then you could get tracked on like Gollum, like that guy's weird, right? He's gross and he's done some shady stuff in his past for sure. The rings corrupted him. And you can lose track of like, when you, when you look at all these different stories side by side, you can lose track of the meta narrative. Like the big overarching theme is just that there's a ring, it's bad, it needs to be destroyed. You know, like that's, that's what it all comes down to, right? But then, but then they beef out the rest of the 12 hours with all these different side stories. And my fear is, in our faith sometimes, we can view these practices, we can view acting like a Christian as the side story and we forget the main thing. The main thing is that we are called to be bringers of the kingdom of God to earth. Like that's what we're after. That's what we should be about. And, and so, yes, it's great to talk about how we should steward our resources to the glory of God. That's important. We should talk about that. We should talk about how to engage in community and how to make sure that we're actually growing in community and not just existing in community. We should talk about all of these different things for sure, but we can't neglect that the main story that God is writing in this book is how we're going to be bringing the kingdom of God to the earth that we live in. Because like, I I got news for you that you already know. The earth is jacked up. The world's messed up out there. Like there is brokenness, there is hurting. Like there are things that are going wrong constantly. And it should be the church that gets to rise up with this alternative paradigm, this alternative way to look at it. We got, we got news just, uh, I just heard last, or this morning actually, heard last night that uh, a friend, friend of the family had a heart attack and I heard this morning that he passed away. And then we're singing this song this morning in worship where, where we get to say, where O oh death is your victory, where O oh death is your sting. And the truth of that is, I sing that in a moment where death does still sting a little bit. Like, I've never been at a funeral where you just go like, well, this doesn't hurt at all. But you step in, we feel these tragedies, we see this heartbreak, we see this loss, and, and there's part of us that just goes, no, it shouldn't be this way. And the truth is, is that it was never intended to be this way. Jesus, when, when everything was created in the garden, it was perfect. And there was no death, there was no pain, there was no sickness, there was no separation between God and his creation. And because of sin, because of that fracture now, the rest of the world was set off of its course, tilted off of the axis it was meant to rotate around. And now all of a sudden we have this problem. The primary problem means we're separated from God's God's presence. But the tertiary problems, the other problems that exist, is there are things like death. Like Adam and Eve clothed themselves because they're ashamed. What did they clothe themselves with? Animal skins. It was the first time that anything had died. They had to kill, they had to sacrifice so that they could cover their mistakes. And so like death enters the world and there's not just death, but there's, there's sickness and there's heartbreak and there's grief and there's loss and there's relational strife. and There's all these things that are tense and they're hard and they're broken. And when Jesus comes, he doesn't just take it away completely. He doesn't just take it away completely. He has not ushered in the kingdom of God in its finality yet. Amen. Right? Like we're walking in this time of the already not yet. Or the convergence moment where God has brought heaven to earth, but it is not, we cannot describe the moment that we're living in right now as fully earth or fully heaven. We're somewhere in between. We're somewhere in the middle where we get to experience and taste some of the good things to come, some of the sweet things that we're going to receive in the the kingdom once finally, fully, and forevermore. But we're still in this moment where we don't get to experience it fully. And so this is where the mission of the people of God comes. This is where we see and we get to understand the picture of what we are called to do. It's, it's theologically not a perfect saying, but there's an old song, maybe you know it, that the, the Father sends the Son, the Son sends the Spirit. And I would say that the Spirit then sends the church. See, this all too often we're sitting here crying out for God to bring revival, and we don't understand that we're the means of that revival. So yes, the Holy Spirit might pour out and do something just stupid, crazy, awesome in our time. And and man, I hope he does at some point. Like, I hope that we someday get to just see this like pillar of smoke and fire that would lead the people of God to a certain point. Wouldn't that be amazing? But the truth is, for now, is that you're the spirit-filled follower of Jesus. The Spirit of God lives in you. That pillar, that tower of smoke and fire, like that, the presence of God indwells you. Not just me, You. All of us are meant to carry this out into the world. And so I think this this idea, this concept really gets uh, distilled down nicely in a conversation that Jesus had with an attorney. All right, so let's look at it in Matthew chapter 22. Uh, There's going to be a slide for it. But when a Pharisee heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus answered him and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. He's quoting the Shema. He's quoting Deuteronomy chapter 6, something that any Pharisee, Sadducee, any, uh, anyone who had knowledge of the law would have known this by heart. He says, this is the greatest law, that you love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind. And then he says, and the great, this is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. So Jesus just says, you want me to wrap up what most of the Old Testament is about? It's about loving God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. And it's about loving your neighbor as yourself. And so this is this is fascinating, right? Because this is what we've been talking about over the last six, seven weeks, is how do we build out a life? How do we make a rule of life or kind of a a way that we're living in this world where we're actually doing the first part of the commandment well? Where we're actually making sure that we're stewarding the faith that's been given to us to make sure that we're loving Jesus with all of our affections possible. And we're detaching from things that rob us our affection of Jesus. And we're leaning into the Spirit of God who's just trying to bring us closer to Jesus. And and in that then, this is where where I think the church maybe starts to falter a bit at times. And I, I recognize this even in my own life for sure. As we start to make sure we're building out these practices where we're loving God so much, and we, we make sure we're getting into church every Sunday. We make sure we're getting into a small group, dialing in during worship. We make sure we're opening our Bible, meditating, all for the building up of self. But that's not the end of what Jesus says. He says, in the second is like it, you are to love your neighbor as yourself. There's this going and doing that goes along with, that coexists with our being. I'm being a Christian. I'm living my life where I'm, I'm falling more in love with Jesus, but I'm doing that so that I can go out and be effective in the world that he's placed me in. It doesn't just exist for us. And yet church, like this is what we do. This is where we falter if we're going to falter, is it not? Like where we just go, okay, let me just get my Christian homies and let me just get my little Christian circles that I hang out in and let me make sure all my friends are Christians and we all just sort of do these Christian things. And then we forget that the primary message of Scripture, the primary arc of the narrative that we're living in, is we are called now to be bringers of the kingdom of God to the world that we're living in. The primary point of your Christianity is not just that you can do all these Christian things. It's that you can spend yourself for the kingdom of God, to bring the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. That's what we're called to. And so I think, I think if we could pull this into a verse here, and now go and look at what this actually practically looks like. I think Paul writes it well in 2 Corinthians, his, his second letter to the Corinthian church. And so we're going to read this, and it's 2 Corinthians uh, 16 is where we're going to start. But I'm going to, read like, I'm going to read like 19 verses, 20 verses, okay? Because we're going to read the rest of chapter 5 and then the first half of chapter 6. So it's a long reading, and you can do it. You can stay dialed in the whole time, all right? So if you need to open up your Bible, so you're reading along in your in hand, or if you want to look at the screen, look at the screen, but don't tune out. It's all good. Focus. Paul writes, From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come all this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, bringing the world, bringing his creation back to himself, not counting the trespasses of his creation against them and entrusting to them the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are now ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. Behold, now is the day of salvation. We put no obstacle in anyone's way so that no fault may be found with our ministry. But as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way by great endurance, in afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger, by purity and knowledge and patience, kindness and the Holy Spirit and genuine love, by truthful speech and the power of God, with the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left, through honor and dishonor, through slander and praise, we are treated as impostors; yet we're true. As unknown and yet well-known, as dying and behold we live, as punished and yet not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing yet possessing everything. Do you hear the tension of the already not yet and everything that he just listed off? We have spoken freely to you, Corinthians. Our heart is wide open. Listen to this. You are not restricted by us, but you are restricted in your own affections. In return, I speak as if I'm speaking to children. You got to love Paul's just like, he can just be mean sometimes. You know what I'm saying? He's just like, all right, you 10-year-old, dial in. You know what I mean? I speak as if I'm speaking to children. Widen your hearts also. So I want to walk through this a bit and I want to just sort of address... of the moment that we're in and, and talk about how we're going to shift and go forward from this because for the next several weeks to come and leading right up until Easter, we're going to be talking about these different ways that we now do the things that Jesus did. If what we've been talking about before today was practicing things that help us realize that we are with Christ on this journey, now we're going to talk about how we now operate as Christians following after Christ and how the Holy Spirit is the one compelling us and moving us and sustaining us as we go through that adventure because it's a both and. We can't neglect and we can't forget the practices as we move on to start talking about what Jesus did. We have to keep them in mind. We have to remain tethered to the two as we go forward. But I think before we step into and jump into all the things that Jesus started to do, which he did a lot of different things. He did a lot of different things. He was preaching the gospel boldly. He was proclaiming the arrival of the kingdom. He was healing the sick. He was, he was confronting uh, religious oppression that was going on. He was bringing pre- peace, making peace as he went. He was always doing these different things, but like before we focus on him, before we start going there, I think we just need a little bit of a mental adjustment because there are several tendencies that exist in all of us before we start talking about the things that Jesus did that we have to make sure we're seeing them right. We have to put on the right lenses so we make sure we're understanding the story correctly. The first adjustment I think that we have to make, and you see it in this passage, is we get distracted, but we have to remain focused. We get distracted, but we have to remain focused. That's a mental shift. Like the pull, the pull back to distraction is so natural in our culture today. It's just the steady current of the world that we're living in as we're trying to walk through this life that is always just trying to bring us to fix our gaze on something else. Did you hear like my favorite word? I've said this before. My favorite word in the Bible is behold. Behold, like just pick it up and, and look at it. Just gaze upon it. Get lost in the beauty of Jesus. And it's so easy in the world we're living in to take our eyes off of him. And I've been so encouraged, like talking with different people, coming out of the fast, how it's like, man, I fasted this thing. I gave up social media. I gave up food. And and it's not quite out of you. Like the fast is over, but the principle that was gained from that time is not gone yet. And I just want to encourage you, man, whatever God was doing in you during the fast, maybe you didn't even fast. Maybe you're here for the first time today. I just want to encourage you, remain focused on Jesus. Don't get distracted by the world. I just can't, I can't imagine God saying, well done, good and faithful servant. Your Instagram reel was off the chain. You grabbed some of the best memes I've ever seen on all of the internet. And I'm just, well done. Well done. Your fantasy, fantasy football, you never finished below top three in your league. Well done, good and faithful servant. I just can't, I can't, like, you, you watched Friends how many times? The Office, how many times? That's incredible. I can't see Jesus just sitting back going like, no way. You know every line to the office. Dude, that's sick. Like, that's dope. I can't, I'm so excited for you. Well done. good. Like, I just don't see it. I don't see that being the case. I see him saying, well done, good and faithful servant. You spent yourself for me. And I'm not saying those aren't good things. I'm not saying we can't incorporate those things in our life, but they have to be done in moderation. They have to be done with balance. They have to be done understanding that the primary objective for you and I is to go out and be the kingdom of God to other people in this world. We can't get distracted. We have to remain focused, have to remain focused. The next one that we have to, the shift that we have to make, I think mentally, before we start to fix our eyes on what Jesus start, did when he was on this earth, is we have to move ourselves from being a contributor, I'm sorry, from a consumer to a contributor. We have to make the mental adjustment that we are, not, we are not just here in church to consume what I have prepared for this morning. We have to realize that we're all contributors in the kingdom of God. Did you hear Paul's words in the first part of this verse? The oldest passed away, behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. He's not talking about the church staff there. He's talking about the followers of Jesus. You have been reconciled to God. If you have, if you have professed faith in Jesus, if you have said, yes, I believe my life is yours, you have now been given the ministry of reconciliation. You have been reconciled to God. He has shown you what that's like. He's shown you what that what that feels like, what that is, the reality that, that infuses your heart and your soul with. And now you are called to minister that reality to the world around you. You are, all of us. He's gifted every single one of you. But if we just dare make church this thing that we're gonna come in and consume every Sunday and hope that it sustains us through the week till next weekend, we're gonna miss it. I am so Tired, honestly, of watching all these people who are begging for revival on YouTube or on Fox News or whatever it is, and they're going, man, would, the, would, the, would there just be revival that comes back to our land? And yet we have a church full of people who aren't like, not we here, I'm not speaking specifically of you, I'm talking nation. Or nation. I think we have a lot of Christians who are saying, God, send revival, but don't send me. You know, like, it's just this, this bad concept of, like, we were the ones meant to go out to reach out to the least of these. We were the ones called to get out in the messy parts of this world. It was us. It's all of us. And if we make this about consumption on Sunday mornings, then we'll miss it. We'll miss it. Like, I'll say this. If, if you want to come and you want to consume what we're doing here as a church, and you just want to come and you don't want to contribute at all, like, I, I really do think that we'll be able to pull off a good church service. Like we, we have competent staff. We've got a competent team. Like we can pull off a really good Sunday morning and we can make sure that you're walking away feeling good every Sunday morning. But I think we'll miss bringing the kingdom to Loveland, to Northern Colorado. The only way that we're going to actually bring revival is if we all see ourselves as contributor to the main part of the story. where We realize that each of us, we've been equipped and gifted differently. So it doesn't all look the same always. Not everyone's going to do what I do. I'm not going to do what all of you do. We're all called to reach the world that we're living in. So we got to make this mental shift from consumer to contributor. The third shift that I think we have to make is going from waiting to wanting, from waiting to wanting. we got we to get out of, I think we, we convince ourselves of two lies, that we need to wait for the circumstances to be right, to share the good news of Jesus with somebody. And we wait, we, we are convinced that we need the right policies behind us so that we can share them appropriately. Do you know what I mean? So, so, so we get convinced that, like, our neighbor that we've been living next to you for 20 years, that we just need to continue to, like, get to know them a little better before we start telling them about Jesus. And well, that's not true. Like, I mean, I think a good conversation, if you're just in that spot, and you've been living next to someone, and they know you, and, and they don't, you haven't opened up about the deepest part of who you are, which is hopefully a follower of Jesus, and if you've never expressed that to them, you can maybe just lead in a conversation this week going, hey, I'm sorry I've never told this to you. Like, I actually, like, I follow Jesus. I love him. I'm in a church and a community of people who are all together trying to follow him. None of us are perfect in it, but we're all just desperately trying to see more of who he is in our lives. And I just, I feel like I should have told you that. You know what I mean? We get convinced, like, oh, I, after I've had 10 barbecues with this person, that'll be the time when I finally get to that point where I can share Jesus I'm like, 9 or 10. Right? The other thing that we wait around for is we wait for right policy. So we reminisce about the days of old when they used to be able to pray in school. You know, you still can pray in school. Students, like you can pray in school. That's an okay thing. You can lead a group. You can lead a prayer group to pray in school. But like all too often, we reminisce about how it used to be because this is America and we're God's chosen country is what we think, right? And so we think that, oh my gosh, well, if we can get back to what it used to be, then we can finally start to act like Christians again in the world. If we wait, we're not going to see it happen. Like if we wait, like do you hear it in, in Paul's language here? He says, behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. We live in a moment right now where we get to testify about the good things that God, have done, God has done in a world that's broken and doesn't necessarily see it. When Jesus comes back, when he comes and he ushers in his kingdom and, and we are now living on this earth, finally forever in the most fullest, beautiful version that he intended for it to be, like we won't be able to witness to people who haven't known about him. We won't be able to. Like that, that window will have closed. And so right now, he's given each of us. He's called you. He's equipped you. And you got to understand that he's placed you in a spot, like where you work, where you play. It doesn't mean that you have to just all of a sudden uh, get your friends to church. Like I think we think that like, man, okay, I'm just gonna bring my friends to church. and Then the pastor can share the gospel with them. Like, praise God, like, I'll do that every now and then. I hope you notice, like, I try and, I try and just lay the gospel on the line and invite uh, a salvation opportunity probably once a series, once or twice, maybe a month. But man, that is, that is not my job primarily. Your friends, your friends don't need to hear an evangelistic message from your pastor. They need to see it in you. They need to see it in you from waiting to wanting. We got to desire this for the community that we're living in. Like, you have co-workers right now who need to hear about the good news of Jesus who who, like you could offer to pray for, who you could take a meal, who you could just show hospitality to, who you could be generous to because God's been generous to you. Like there's a world that we're living in. We got to want it though. We got to desire it. John Tyson has this great quote in his his book, Uh, A Creative Minority. We did a series on this like back in the fall and used a lot of his stuff. But he says, we need a vision that is not based on a fear of a godless future or a longing for an idealized past. So do you see that? He's like, we need a vision, we need a mission, we need some way to operate that isn't contingent upon some over-romanticized view of the future or, or an over-idealized view of the past. Like, but we rather, we need a rich presence in our own time that inspires the beauty and possibility of Christ's church. The good news is that the church has advanced and borne beautiful fruit in cultural situations much more complex and challenging than our own. To so keep on going. The advancement of the kingdom of God does not depend on the cultural situation in which we find ourselves, nor upon, praise God, our own performance in response. Rather, we are invited to follow the way of Jesus in his great redemptive work in our time. The language he uses, the phrase he uses, is redemptive participation. We gotta want to see this redemptive participation in the world we're living in. And I don't know what it looks like in your context. Like, I work with a bunch of saved people. You know what I'm saying? Do you know what I'm saying? You just didn't respond at all. So I didn't know if I was like alone up here for a second. Like I work at a church. Everyone here is a Christian. It's not necessarily true for where you work. Uh, We intentionally, I intentionally run a lot of my meetings, not in this church. I meet somewhere else in the community. I go over to the gym. I, I have places where I try and get out of these walls because there are people out there that are hurting. There are people out there that need to encounter someone who's encountered the Lord. And I want to go and I want to bring hope and I want to speak peace and I want to give encouragement. And I want to just witness to people in a way that says, hey, there's an alternative way of life. And I'm not going to wait for the the policy to line up in my favor. I'm not going to wait until I get to know this person long enough to make sure you know that I'm, I'm on team Jesus. He has changed my life. I'm a different dude than who I used to be. And so now I get to carry that in the world that I live in. We can't wait for it. We've got to want it. We've got to want it for the here and now. Now is the time the fourth thing that I think we have to focus on is we got to make a a shift from defining our success from what happens within these walls, a church success to a kingdom success. So like, I don't know how much you've been paying attention. I'm assuming y'all have eyes. And so you can see like uh, the church has grown a little bit in the last couple months. It's very exciting. If you go back, go back even just like a year from now, pre-COVID, pre-shut, like it's a little different in here. There's more people. We were talking this morning about how we got to adjust how we're parking because the parking lot was getting a little full second service. And that's awesome. And I, and I love that you guys are here. Like, I'm excited that you're, that you're coming here. Um, but make no mistake, like, Good Shepherd's success and the, the size of this room does not equal kingdom success. And just so you know, like, that's something as a staff. We sat down a month ago. We just, we just laid it down. We said, hey, there's a lot of people coming, uh, but we, we have not seen the baptisms we want to see. We haven't heard the testimonies of lives changed that we want to see. We, we have still yet to see the Holy Spirit just break through and interrupt and mess some people's lives up in the best way. And that's what we're after. So like, man, you come, we'll make space. But I, just, I, just, I want to gently and just lovingly say, like, if you're not, if you're not at a spot where you want to go to a church every weekend that's encouraging you to get out and to love your neighbor and to serve your city, I just like, I want to create an on-ramp and just to invite you in because that's who we're going to be. But if that's not you, I just want to create a generous exit lane because that's who we're going to be, and that's what we're going to preach on, that's what we're going to talk about, P- participating in the mission of God. The mission according to the Spirit is what you could call this message. Like, I want to I see God do some stuff in our day. It is overwhelming for me to look at the news every week and see the mess that our world is in, and so I've, I've just stopped listening to the news. Ah, oh, praise the Lord. It's got to be one of the most refreshing things of all time. I just, I deleted Facebook. Yeah, I hope, like, you're clapping, because you realize that that's true, so you're not just clapping for me, but you, you realize and you embrace that, like, the world's messed up. You watch the news every day, you read the headlines, and it's like everything's either on fire or like it's all fixed now. It depends on what you're listening to. But at the end of the day, I wanna know what's happening in my community. I wanna be sitting down over at Loveland Coffee. I wanna be over at Gold's Gym. I wanna be over talking to people who are in this city. God did not call us as like Good Shepherd Church, I don't believe, to save the whole entire world, to save the whole entire nation. We're called to this city, Loveland, Colorado, where we now can go out and bring the kingdom here. You can pray for your coworker. You can share the good news of the gospel with them. You can contend for healing for the person in your life that needs healing. You can do these things. We cannot get so comfortable. I think the greatest threat to the success that we have here at this church is that we start to rest in the fact that this room's full and we start to drift and neglect the fact that God's given us a kingdom to put down in a city. Like there are, there are kids in our, in Thompson School District that don't have homes. There are kids that like, like the, I got an email from Kids Pack this week about just how many, how many kids in Thompson School District are going hungry. Like we can participate in that church. We can get involved. It's the community we've been given. And so I don't know, like this is where, man, I don't know exactly what it means for you. I don't know exactly what it means for you, but you have, you have money. You have a job, you have time, hopefully somewhere. Hopefully you've been listening in these messages and you've cultivated some margin in your budget, in your calendar. Hopefully you've, you've been fasting and so you're listening to the Holy Spirit. And I, I'm just trusting that the Holy Spirit of God with your margin, with the space that you're going, okay, God, how do you want to use me? He's going to speak to you. And if the Holy Spirit's not speaking to you, if God is not encouraging you while you're out in the world that we're living in, I just want to, I want to ask you, did you do the last thing that he asked you to do? I think that's the first thing that we got to go. Okay, God, before I try and do the next thing that you want me to do, was I faithful with the last thing that you gave me? And maybe, just maybe, some of you are having a hard time hearing the voice of the Lord and you're going, God, why haven't you spoken to me in a while? And I, I just, maybe you've stopped doing the things that he's prompting you to do. And just, it's a relationship. The Holy Spirit's a person. And so if we're just gonna neglect and he's speaking to us and he's saying, hey, go pray for that person. Hey, go talk to that person. Pick up that person's meal today. Leave a generous tip that's just crazy for your waitress and offer to pray with her. Like tangible, just real life, normal people stuff. And if we can do that and we can actually start to go, okay, God, what is it you want me to do? Like, I believe that God will continue to speak to you because he's a person. And as you get familiar with the things that he's asking you to do, he's gonna speak to you more. But are you, are you open and willing to be used and to go into the places that he's calling you to go? That's the question. I think the last one that we have to embrace, the shift that we have to embrace, is from wherever it is that you are now, whatever it is that you're feeling right now, to embracing love. To embracing love. It's really interesting, like Jesus, Jesus, his marching orders, the way that he went out into this world, uh, he did not force, like he didn't use, he didn't overthrow Rome or overtake Rome by force. That's kind of what Peter wanted, you know, Peter and Peter's uh, with Jesus when he's getting arrested, and Peter's like, no, and he pulls out his sword and cuts that guy's ear off, and Jesus is like, what are you doing? And he picks up his ear and puts it back on that guy's head. <laughs> he's like, no one takes my life from me. I lay it down on my own accord, right? He just, he lays it down. He's, he's not, he's not like coercing anybody, he's just he's serving the people that he's living with like he's he's operating his primary operating mode is love. And so whatever your primary operating mode is, we need to make this shift so that it is now love. See, I think like the love of God, we need to we need to experience it personally. And so depending on where you are like like maybe you haven't even taken the step, maybe you've never actually experienced the reality that God loves you. God loves you. You you could be as busted up. You could have the most awful track record of anyone in this room. And I bet you'd actually line up a lot more with biblical characters than you did with people here at this church sometimes. Like, I don't care what your background is. The Bible's full of imperfect people because that's the only option that God had. Right? And you need to understand and you need to embrace the fact that God loves you. He doesn't doesn't love you so that you will continue acting like that. He loves you enough so that he can call you and say, hey, now, now go a different way. I love that there's, I'm reading a, a People to Be Loved by Preston Sprinkle. I couldn't recommend this book enough, but he has this quote where he says, Jesus was able to preach hard-hitting, biblically saturated, ethically demanding sermons. And yet sinners and tax collectors were drawn to the presence of Christ. Right, so Preston Sprinkle, if you haven't checked this book out, you, um, I would very much encourage you to read this book because, because he's writing to uh, how the church has long interacted with the homosexual community. And that, that community sometimes, it can be, we feel like we're at the most at odds with them sometimes. And I know that's true, but he says, like, they, they pre- Jesus was preaching biblically saturated, ethically demanding sermons, and yet sinful people were drawn to him. Why? It wasn't because their behavior was affirmed. It was because their humanity was affirmed. Like, we have to make our primary operating mode love. We have to experience it for ourselves per- first. We have to embody that love. So we can't actually just like encounter it one time and then kind of neglect it. We have to actually embody that love and actually get that love inside of us and start to make that our primary operating understanding is that, nope, God loves me. Yes, that's what I did. That's not who I am. God loves me. I am chosen. I am loved. I am called. I've been equipped. God loves me. He is for me. And then once we've experienced that love, we've encountered it for the first time, we begin to embody it. This process goes on for the rest of your life, by the way. It's never over. You've never arrived. You've never experienced it fully. But as we do those things now, we are called to display that love to the world around us. We're called to express that love to the world that we're living in. And so, yeah, we can forgive people who've done terrible things to us because we've been forgiven much. Yes, we can show mercy to the world around us because we've been given mercy. Yes, we can show grace. We can show hospitality. We can show generosity. The list just goes on and on. Why? Because we first experienced it and we embrace it, we embody it, and then now, once we understand that that is who God is, and that is how he's treated us, now we can begin to express that to the world around us. And that's our call. That is the call, as the people of God, is to, is that, like, that's hopefully why you're here. It's because you love Jesus, and if you don't love Jesus, you want to talk about that. There'll be a prayer team up front. I will be sitting right here. You can come talk to me about how Jesus loves you, and he's for you, but that love isn't meant to just terminate on you, it's meant to be reflected by you out into the world that you're living in. And so wherever it is that you're going, as we go through this sermon series, we start to look at how Jesus preached and proclaimed, how he was compassionate towards people, how he brought life where there was death. When he did these things, we have to first keep in mind that our primary operating mode as we go out into this world is love. It's love. And so I, I want to read um, this passage out of 1 Corinthians, and I want us to all read it together. So before you stand up, because I want to stand and read it, um, this is the wedding verse. Right? We read it at every wedding. Love is patient. Love is kind. It's oh, so beautiful. And uh, Paul wasn't writing this for a wedding. It works for a wedding. It works great for a wedding. It's a great demonstration of what love should look like in a marriage, but it wasn't given for a wedding. These were given as marching orders for the church. And so just as, as we're reading this, I just want you kind of with the Lord, I'll pray when we're done. And I just want you to ask, okay, where, where am I missing this right now? My guess is, my guess, just after hanging out with Christians for a long enough time, my guess is some of you have a hard time actually embracing the love of God. And did you notice that in in the commandment, it's love your neighbor as yourself. You're not going to be able to demonstrate the love of God to other people if you haven't first primarily received it for yourself. So for some of you, you're going to struggle. You have a hard time embracing and understanding that God loves you. I just want to provide a little space here where you can just sit, you can soak in that. Other people, we have a hard time giving that love, right? Because people can be difficult, right? People can be hard to love sometimes. People can be a little bit uh, like abusive of that love that we give them sometimes, maybe. Maybe they don't reciprocate it ever. Maybe that love is all one-sided. And let me just tell you something, that is exactly how God has loved you. I love you, whoever you are. God has loved you in the middle of your mess. God, God gave you love and that love was one-sided at times where he was offering it all to you and you were pursuing your own thing, doing your own thing. He's, he's loved you and he's poured it out for you and you've neglected that love. Like we've all been there. We've all made that choice at one point or another. And so that's why we are now capable to go out and show it to a world that we feel like doesn't even necessarily deserve it because we didn't deserve it in the first place. And so would you stand? We're gonna read this verse together. Again, it's, it's a few verses. So hang with me. Maybe Don't lock the knees, right? We'll be okay. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And again, I want you just to let this, let this press on you. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but I don't have love, I'm a noisy gong or a clinging cymbal. I'm sorry. Thank you, Jim. Let's all read it together. Let's all read it together out loud. Starting in verse two. Ready? and if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I gave away all that I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. Holy Spirit, would you just come? God, we just invite you. I'm so struck with that verse that it doesn't matter how much we know, it doesn't matter how much faith we have, it doesn't matter how much we could understand in wisdom or speak in prophetic words. God, if we are not loving, it's all for nothing. So God, help us to encounter your love. God, if there's anyone here in this church today who has not encountered your love, I pray that you would just overwhelm their heart right now. Would you just show them that the God of the universe loves them and is for them? And God, if there's anyone, for those of us who are here, who have a hard time actually feeling like this is primarily true, that you love us, and we keep coming back to shame or to an an overburden of, of guilt or like that we're never good enough, that we never measure up, God, would you help us just rest in the fact that it is your righteousness, not our own, that you've given to us? And would you just help us embody that love and make that be our primary operating mode? And for all of us, God, I just ask that as we're about to step out of this church and as we're about to walk into this series and up upon the Easter season, God, I pray above all else that people would know us by the way that we love each other and the way that we love you. Would that be the main thing that they know about us, God, that we are... We might, be, we might be weird sometimes. We might do some odd stuff. We might we might ask to pray for people when they're not comfortable with that. But would they know that we love Jesus? Would they know that we love you, that we're about you? God, help us to love the world around us well. Help us to see things this week as we go out in the places we work, in the places where we recreate, while we're in King Supers or Walmart or wherever we are, God, help us be listening to your Holy Spirit. Help us be operating in love. You're so good, Jesus. We pray that this would... Uh, this church would bless your name, that we'd be a sweet aroma, a sweet fragrance up to the throne room of heaven when we gather. We do love you, Lord, and it's in your name we pray. Amen.